0: Welcome back, everybody. It is hour number two of a three-hour edition, the final three-hour edition of Oilers Now, our playoff Oilers Now shows. Uh, We will tell you. The guests and Oilers now receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. Come on in and check out their new location, 3975 Calgary Trail. Don and his staff will take care of you. We'll head straight off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, River Cree Resort Casino, excitement, bet on it. And he is our Oilers now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, jay woodcroft hello jay how are you hi bob how are you good has it has it gotten any better
1: does it sting any less um you know what It's still um very much disappointed um still a little bit raw um but i think you know uh, as the days go on here something that i talked about in our press conference after the season was that you know, it's an opportunity to um, repurpose our disappointment. I think at, at some point um, you get past the mad stage um, and it's important to make sure you're looking at things unemotionally, uh, factually, uh, with a clear head. Um, I think that's an important step in the process, and make sure that you're doing your work. You look past the superficial, and you look deeper than just surface level to try and find answers and and ultimately come up with solutions.
0: You were playing a good team, and I I I brought that up with you right after the game, after game six. Like it just, you know, it seemed to me uh, we all have a healthy respect for Todd McClellan. Obviously, you mentored with Todd and. Uh, We knew how good L.A. was until the final 10 games of the season. A lot of people in Edmonton were nervous about the Kings. That series went six games. And I'm like, well, wait a sec here. I'm not making an excuse, Jay, for the Oilers. I'm just saying Vegas were good. Like, they finished ahead of you in the regular season, and they beat you in the series. And uh, there comes a point where, you know, as much as the focus is on your own team, you kind of got to tip your hat to the opposition too, don't you?
1: Well, I I think that's important too, is uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are – are and were a worthy opponent for us, a uh, worthy adversary. They, they won the Western Conference for a reason. They led the, the conference essentially from wire to wire. Um, you know, we had that magical run of going 14 and 1 down the stretch and we still couldn't reel them in. Um, So they were doing some good things, too. Uh, It's a credit to them um, and the way they played that series. But ultimately, I still think at the end of it, and there are no excuses, you're left with a bitter taste in your mouth um, because you feel, um, you know, that we could have gone farther.
0: How... uh... How many people? Because I've you know I've been talking about obviously the conclusion of the series the last five days here. How many people get involved in the decision uh, with goaltending? Are you a guy that it's it's you and Dustin or Schwartz the goalie coach, or is it it's solely your call, or or do you go and you know get a, a lot of different opinions on something like that?
1: Well, you know how um, how we operate. First of all, during the regular season, I try and um, include. Um, as many brains in the game as possible uh, on big decisions. We operate in a collaborative, collegial type atmosphere here. Uh, that's the type of staff that I like to run. I I try and pick the brains of uh, not only coaches but but important people in the organization. Ultimately, the final call comes down to the head coach. And um, you know there were you know lots of uh, lots of opinions, and for me. Um, In the end, uh, every time we made goaltender decisions, I tried to weigh everything carefully and uh, tried to make the best decision possible. You know, there weren't many times this season where we pulled goaltenders. There were a few in the playoffs, and um, each time in the playoffs that we pulled a goaltender, Um, I went back with with Stewart the next game, happening Game 4, Game 5 versus uh, L.A. in that series, and obviously we responded in Game 5, and then it happened uh, from Game 3 to Game 4 in the Vegas series, and obviously the team responded with a a big game. But uh, rest assured, that um, making decisions of those mag- or of that type of magnitude, I try and, as I said, get as many brains in the game as possible and ultimately try and, and make the right decision. Unfortunately, our team didn't win, but we do that together as a team. Uh, we win together as a team, and we don't win together as a team. Uh, but ultimately, that decision comes down to me.
0: Yeah, uh, and you know the reality of the scenario is Stewart had such a tremendous year, and Jack, frankly, and we can use whatever statistical models you want. One of them's goals saved above expectation. He had a tough year. And the orders are going to need Jack to be better. They're going to need Stewart to be better than he was in the playoffs next season. Uh, your power play was brilliant. The five-on-five play in the series against Vegas, Jay, was concerning. And I guess I know you got asked about it uh, and this is all part of the evaluation process that you guys are going to do it uh, in terms of matchups and that sort of thing. Were there any surprises for you in terms of what occurred against Vegas at at even strength?
1: Well, I think you know. I think that became a storyline in in the series because a lot of our damage was done on the power play. Right. Um, and uh, their power play, frankly, struggled. Our penalty kill was a real source of our, of momentum for our team. Um, you know, uh, we gave up the one five on four chance uh, in game number one, and then we gave up a couple uh, in game number five at a critical juncture. One was a five on three. Um, but a lot of the talk around the series was that was five-on-five. At five. Now, um, the facts are uh, that they scored six more uh, goals at five-on-five five than our team did, so that averages out to one per game, but I think when you dive a little bit deeper the way coaches do, and we're just at the beginning stages of that process, but I think um, it's important Dive a little bit deeper. Um, I think if you did, you would notice that. I think I mentioned this in my post-season press conference, but you know, the fancy stat people, um, you know, would point to some some things like um, we gave up the fewest shot attempts of any team in the second round. So there were eight teams in the second round. We gave up the fewest shot attempts. That is that's a credit. To a team trying to do some things defensively, um, I think if you look at the six games in the series, we outshot and outchanced the other team in four of six games. Uh, unfortunately for us, some of our finish uh, wasn't at it what it was uh, during the regular season. We finished of the eight teams in the second round. We finished eighth and quote-unquote finishability um, so our conversion on some of those those chances I think um, at 5-on-5 five five, in 5 of the 6 games we played we outshot, attempted the other team in, in 5 of the 6 games I think if you went to things like ozone possession time so are you spending more of your shift in the other or more of the game in the other teams end uh, we did that by a wide margin um, versus Vegas those are all things that that you see when you dig past surface level you know I, I think for coaches one of the things you do is you want to look or classify or categorize uh, the way certain types of goals are going in. Because that's that's what coaches do. They go in and we look at uh, ways we can be better in certain types of situations. Um, as I said, they scored six more goals at five on five than we did um, in the series. You know, I look at their how many goals they got off the rush. Um, they scored one more goal off the rush than we did. Um I look at how many goals they got off the the four check So where we turned something over on our breakout, they scored two more than we did in that type of situation. Um when you're rolling around in the offensive zone a cycle or on the defensive side the D zone coverage side of things, um they scored six goals and how we would classify it and we scored four. So they scored two more in that type of situation. So When you get into a playoff series where the margins are tight and the games, you know, the difference between winning and losing, you go to those situations and you think about and you come up with plans of how you can give your players tools to have a little bit more success in certain types of situations. Um, but as I just outlaid to you, like for me, the, the margins are razor thin. It was close. Um, are there areas that we can be better and we've, we've, we're beginning to identify and come up with plans. Yes, there are. Um, there's more work to be done on that. But I think when you go past surface level, um those kind of patterns emerge.
0: It's interesting, Jay, because one thing that surprised me was how good McLeod, Fogle, and Derek Ryan were. Five on mm-hmm. five is a line. I mean, their you know, basically their advanced analytics was around eight percent throughout the course of the playoffs. I was also surprised, frankly, how good Jack Eichel was uh in the series and he he once at the end of the day the goal share, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you won that battle. Yeah, um, so how do you, you know, from your perspective, were you a little bit surprised at what Fogle gave? And were you, uh, you know, the, I guess the McLeod line with Ryan and Fogel played, and were you also surprised at the ability that Eichel had to uh, to tilt the ice a bit 5v5 scoring-wise when he was on the ice?
1: Well, um, two different questions there. So I'll start on our side with the, uh, the Fogle-McLeod-Ryan line. I thought they were... They were a really good line. I thought they were a real positive for us um, on the series and in the playoffs. I thought, um, you know, not having Derek Ryan in game number one due to, you know, him waking up, you know, severely ill. Um, and not being able to play in that game that set us back a little bit. That wasn't the the plan, but you know, as you know, it's, we don't live in an ideal world. Right. Someone wakes are sick and they can't move. You have to you have to be able to uh, juggle some stuff on the fly sometimes. But um, I thought that line was excellent. Um, I thought. Um, not only, you know, their goal share, um, you know, might not have been like, uh, you know, where it was severely uh, in the positive, but the way they were playing the game, the momentum they were generating, uh, the goals that they did come up with, I thought that, you know, I thought, you know, they should feel real good of where their game was at, at the most important time of the year. I felt good about it when they were on the ice. I thought they did a good job, um, against that Carlson uh, Riley Smith line, um, not only in game number six where we started them, uh, but they started in game number four as well, and that was something that we looked um, to exploit. Obviously, when you're at home, you have that matchup. Yep. Um, those are things um, you know that. That emerge as the series goes on, you know it was- unfortunate they give up a goal on the first shift in in game number six, but they got it back on the very next shift right and um you know them being able to play against that Carlson Smith line um allowed us on the second shift of the game. To get the matchup we wanted with McDavid uh, and and Kane and Hyman to go out and score on their first shift, which was the second shift of the game. So, I think in the first five shifts of the game, uh, we found ourselves up two one. I think in that first period, we you know we we were quite comfortable with the way things were trending in that game. I thought um, you know at the end of the first, it was fifteen to seven. In shots we were winning 2-1 we had numerous chances to score unfortunately we didn't find that third goal um, and that reminded me almost uh, as much in game number five where where we had control we were on the road right. We had control of the game it's 2-1 uh, Janmark and TC come down on a two- on one we don't find that third goal. And then, you know, some refereeing gets involved. We end up find ourselves down five on three and bang, bang. Um, the game changes. So um, those are all things that happen in the game. You also asked about uh, the I, I, level of play of Jack Eichel. Because uh, it surprised me.
0: It surprised yeah, me that I, it was that good.
1: Yeah, he, he is a very – you can see why he was drafted where he was. You can see why he had the year he did this year. Um, for us – we tried different things to try and combat that as the series kind of went on. Um, in the end, that line five-on-five five for that team uh, did a very good job, uh, and that's a credit to them. And for him to elevate his play at that time of year, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, they're a good team, and uh, all of the talk aside, you can't take anything away from them. They led the Western Conference, uh, you know, from pretty much the entire year, and uh, they did deserve to win that series. They they were, they they were won that series fair and square.
0: Jay, when you came in on February 10th, so since the time that you've been the head coach of the team, the Oilers have got the second-best record in the NHL. The only team that's better is Boston. They had an unbelievable year this year. Um, however, the team finished 18th in the league in goals against last year. Again, you were there for the final, whatever it was, 35, 36 games, 37 games. And then this year the team finished 17th. Is it too obvious to look at that and say that has to be a priority for us to improve? The, the Oilers finished sixth overall this year, but if you want to be—and I think there's enough talent for the team to be a top five team—is it too simple to say you got to find a way to get in the top ten and goals against and shave the goals against?
1: No, I don't think that's simple. That—that that is, um, you know, priority one. Um, And I think there are different ways to attack that issue. Um, But, uh, you know, some of it comes from adjustments you make uh, as a coaching staff. Uh, It could be something penalty kill-wise. It could be something, um, you know, uh, rush coverage-wise. It could be something, um, you know, more player-specific. You know, know, uh, it's five more saves here. It's uh, 10 more shot blocks in this situation. It is um, 15 better plays on the wall in this situation. Those are the types of things that I think add up. And I think, you know, when Dave Manson and I came up from Bakersfield last year, uh, where the team was at uh, was, was the team was outside of the playoff picture and it was a very emotional time. And what, I found at that point was there were, um, you know, people looking for answers and uh, through experience, I knew that we couldn't come in and change every piece of, of uh, the way the team played in a short amount of time. There was COVID schedule, all that kind of stuff. So we picked one or two small areas to try and attack and get better at. But what I found was a very wrapped audience. And we started to – things started to snowball in the in the right direction on the defensive side of things. So I understand that the team finished 18th on the year last year, but from February 10th on um, to the end of the season, we liked kind of the direction uh, that was going. I think, you know, as you get into October and November and December, we had some – We had some real adversity with our group this year in the first half of the season. Um, But one of the things that could have been cleaned up and is going to get cleaned up going forward is that side of it. Because I believe that um, the habits that are created at that time of year, the attention to detail at that time of year, I think – Uh, Serves the team as they move deep into April, into May, and ultimately into June. I think those are are the things um, that occur. So, you know, when you win games, it's important to close a team out rather than let them hang around and claw back into a game. And you still might win by a goal um, because you can outscore some things. But I, I think those habits, Get ingrained earlier in the season. That's an area of focus as we move into um, 23, 24. And I, I believe that the disappointment that everybody feels right now, from our management to our coaches to our players, we're all in it together. We all have this pit in our stomach. I believe that that level of commitment uh, will be there right from day one. It'll be harped on. People will be held accountable to it. Um, You know, I thought in the second half of this season we started to see some positive signs. But through the first three months, we're weathering some injury yeah. adversity, some lack of uh, performance from certain individuals, all that type of stuff you deal with uh, and you're surviving, you're trying to collect as many points as you can. And I thought we really dialed it in after Christmas. But I think the better you are earlier in a season, I don't think that I know that, is – is is. Those are the habits that stand up under pressure in April, May, and June, and that that's where our focal point will be. We can be better. Um, we we did a lot of good things this season. We're positive uh, about our our outlook, and we're looking, as I said earlier in this this chat, we're looking to use this disappointment in a way to fuel us. Uh, to take that next step, we're looking to repurpose this disappointment to help make us a better team.
0: Final question for you, Jay. Uh, you've you and Ken Holland have now finished the uh, the end of the year exit interviews with all your respective players. Uh, without getting into specifics, do you get the sense that there is a level of an engagement and commitment that everybody everybody wants to be a part of it moving forward? Is that fair to say?
1: Yes. Yeah. I like I said. Um, Um, We are sincere um, in our disappointment. There is a pit in everybody's stomach. Ken Holland um, gave an impassioned chat to our team where – as the hairs on everybody's neck was standing up and if we could have put the skates on um to go out again i think everybody would have done it that's how uh passionate he was he put his heart on the table of um setting a tone and and for me and this is something that i've talked about with a few of the player you know as we're conducting those interviews and and um getting people's opinions all that gathering information all that type of stuff one of the things that i mentioned was how how impactful that meeting was but right now everybody is raw and we have to take how we feel now into our summertime workouts And we have to take that into our mindset in training camp. And we have to take that, uh, in the end of November when you're in the beginning, the dog days of a season, that's where that pit in the stomach has to continue, continue to serve as fuel for us with the big picture in mind. And the big picture is, and we want to have success in June. Now, we also have the understanding that you can't get to the playoffs in September. What you have to do is you have to um, take the necessary steps day by day. You have to continue to improve. You have to capture the learning moments as they present themselves. And, and one day at the end of the regular season, you feel ready to go on that two-month journey. Um, it didn't work for us this year. We own it. We accept it. We're going to get better because of it.
0: Jay, appreciate all the time you've given us this season.
1: My pleasure, Bob. Have a good summer.
0: You bet. That is Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. He's our Oilers now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. Uh, apparently, there's been some confusion at the Maple Leafs press conference with Brendan Shanahan. Hopefully, Frank Cervalli for the horses and horse race in Alberta can enlighten us just after 1.30 when we go to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.